Hey everybody, Jeff Mazone here, co-host of Renar Voice. Renar is Rho Eta Nu Alpha Rho, the Northeast Area Online Chapter of Chi Sigma Iota, the Counseling Honor Society at Liberty University. Just before we get into the episode, I'm going to speak on behalf of co-host Robert, as I always do. We just want to dedicate this episode to our professors with a special word of thanks to our chapter faculty advisors, Dr. John King, Dr. Deidre Mitchell, and of course, Dr. Krista Kirk, who just support us as we endeavor on this podcast. So just a word of thanks and again a dedication to all our professors who continue to pour themselves into the students at Liberty that we might be excellent, competent counselors who are champions for Christ. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 33 of Renar Voice. My name is Robert Swatala. I'm one of the co-hosts of Renar Voice and with me uh, my friend, my colleague, my other co-host, Jeff Mazone. How are you, Jeff? Hey, Robert. Good morning, bro. What's going on? How you been? Okay, man. I kind of want to ask you that question because we always lead with me. But I'm I'm good. I'll defer to you. Okay. I'm good. I mean, I mean, we're getting close. Tomorrow's March first, so it feels like graduation's coming. Um, was able to have a nice vacation, get away. So I'm I'm ready for the 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 push here, the finish line. I'm ready to okay. go. I'm feeling good. Eight weeks, man. Come on. You got this. <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement, man. I you got it. it. Yeah. So so I'm excited for today because we are going to do something a little bit different. And I, I want to get right into it because I think we're going to carry some of this banter um, over into our episode. So I don't want to I don't want to delay this any longer. But this is a first for us because this is our first repeat guest. Yep. So, so this is a big deal for us on episode 33. And I went back, just so you know, Jeff, do you know what episode we had this guest on? Without luck. Six. Six. Did you did you look at that beforehand? Nope. No, no, bro. no cheating. Come on. I'm the guy that runs the website. Uh, that's true. All right. So yeah, episode <laughs> six. All right. I, I feel bad because I did have to go luck. Well, um, you know, we have different gifts, same spirit, you know, one body, whatever. True. True. Okay. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, so episode six, and it was January of 2021. Whoa. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty hard to believe, huh? So okay. over a year ago, January 11th, 2021 was when it was released. Yes. And that episode was 20 minutes long. Yeah. And every episode after that was like 40, 45, 50. Right. So this guess, so, so this guess, we, go ahead. We did feel a little obligated to to, to kind of regroup and, and and give the twenty minutes back. So we'll see what we can come up with today. Yeah, there was a lot of heckling and a big campaign, and yeah, it was. Yeah. It was so rough. this is so going to be fun kind of waving because... white flag here. <laughs> this is going to be fun because our audience and and they'll learn hopefully through the podcast today. We've actually been had the opportunity to spend some time with our guest today, Doctor Emhoff. And uh, I would encourage our listeners to go back to episode six. And, mm -hmm. and it was a really, really great episode and, and to listen to that. But we've had an opportunity to, to kind of work with Dr. Imhoff behind the scenes. And I'm excited to share that experience with our listeners. So, Jeff, without further ado, could you could you go ahead and reintroduce our guest for today? Yeah. And, you know, if nothing else, this is an opportunity for me to correctly pronounce his name when I introduce him because that's I didn't do right. That. You did. No. I forgot about yeah. that. So Remember this that? is like uh, your men's. That's it. Full circle. So Dr. Right. Brad Imhoff is a counselor in Ohio. Uh, he earned his PhD in counselor education from Ohio University, where his dissertation focused on grief counseling. 
He currently serves as the director of the MA and Addiction Counseling Program and is an assistant professor in the Department of Counselor Education and Family Studies here at Liberty University. His clinical work has focused largely on addiction treatment, as well as with adolescents with severe behavioral concerns, both predominantly in group counseling settings. Dr. Imhoff's scholarly interests currently include the understanding and treatment of social anxiety disorder, substance and behavioral addictions, and also counselor well-being and self-care. So Dr. Imhoff, good morning. So great to have you here. Good morning. It's great to be here. I felt uh, almost compelled to jump in there as you guys were bantering about my 20 minute episode last time, but I held off. So it's great to be here, though. Well, it was it was a powerful 20 minutes. We'll, we'll say that for sure. So, okay. yeah, I, you said first repeat. Yes, I felt very honored. And there you Jeff, go. Jeff went in to talk about, you know, started to sound like a pity invitation here with <laughs> well, let's give him another 20. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Robert. Come on. No, I was just saying, you know, he, he, he can do that, you know, sometimes. So you just have to just, just go with it at times. Yeah. So. He, he won back my respect getting my last name right this time. There you so. go. All right. Go. We're on even ground again. Okay. But seriously, though, that episode, it was interesting because that's one of those episodes where if you're going to listen to it, it's one of those ones that's going to make you do something about your issues. And so I think I think that's one of those episodes that people like want to listen to, but don't because they know that something's going to come out of it for them. And, and the usual avoidance behaviors are going to get uh, pushed up against. So sure. I I wish more people would listen to that episode because that, that's episode, that is an episode I push pretty heavily on social media. Um, but it's probably my favorite, one of my favorite, at least top yeah. three. And that's no knock to any of our other guests, but just the, I, I think the the vulnerability of it and yeah. the um, the impact. And obviously, and Dr. Amhoff, maybe you can share kind of maybe a little bit about how um, some of your past led us to really that moment and then kind of what we've been doing together behind the scenes just to maybe fill in our guests and then we can kind of fill in some of the gaps as you uh, as you share that story, if it's all right. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we talked ahead of time about some of the mentors in my own journey as a as a student and educator and all of that. And the story to that last episode is a little bit different just in that, you know, I've I've dealt with anxiety throughout my life, depression as an adolescent. um, And as I got into being a master's student, learning more about that, getting into counseling myself um, and then on into education, I started to realize as I taught different courses and did different presentations and stuff, those that got the best feedback were the ones in which I was vulnerable sharing about my own story. And, you know, here are some of the challenges I have faced. Here are the, some of the challenges I continue to face. Um, you know, kind of setting aside that facade that I have it all together and I'm here to, you know, educate you all, like learn from me and, and really pushing that aside and saying, I'm still figuring it all out. Here are some things I've learned along the way that might be helpful. Um, and just that, uh, that vulnerability is challenging. You know, it's hard. It's, it's hard to be open in that way. Um, but people seem to really, really connect to that. And, uh, and I think that's kind of what led up to that previous, my previous appearance on your show. Um, and then from there, we just kind of, kind of ran with it behind the scenes and did a whole bunch of other stuff too. 
Yeah, so we did. And, and I think that vulnerability was, again, I mentioned probably the, the key for me in terms of that episode. Um, and, and I think it also was one of the things that was really an inspiration to work together, Dr. Amhoff, was was that vulnerability and, and the kind of the topic that we ended up presenting on in several conferences now together is on the topic of kind of burnout and the vulnerability of being able to seek counseling for help. And as you're going through, whether a counseling and training or a counselor's profession, I think that takes a level of vulnerability um, and the opportunity to just do that together with you, I think, was a profound experience for me from a from a student standpoint to get the opportunity to work with you know, an individual of, of definitely more advanced in their career, uh, like yourself, more educated, more, more experiences and to have that level of mentoring and opportunity to, to kind of peer present, I, I think was extremely profound for, for my development. And, and I'm, I think Jeff can talk about it, his experience, but I'm curious, what was it like as a faculty member to work with two students um, obviously, there was a relationship from the podcast, but really kind of just working together to to present. I don't know what we've done, three, four conferences at this point. So we've had some experience, but just maybe share what it is from your perspective as a faculty member. Sure. Yeah. Um, for me, and I can I can go much more into the background of this, but for me, it's an opportunity to give back to students in a way that faculty members poured into me as a student both master's student and doctoral level student and uh working kind of behind the scenes to say you know you've experienced the classroom you've experienced the readings the papers the lectures that all that comes with being a student working toward being a professional counselor but for those that are interested, there's also this other side of the profession where you're doing conference presentations or just attending conferences and, you know, getting continuing education credits once you're licensed and things like that. Um, and so it becomes a process of kind of identifying um, very capable students. Both of you obviously are above and beyond doing, you know, what most, what many master students do, you're, you're hosting a podcast for crying out loud, you know, there aren't many doing that. Um, and so it becomes a process of identifying students that as a faculty member, I think would benefit from going beyond the classroom, seeing those other opportunities, um, making sure that it is something that the students can navigate on top of being a graduate student, right? Like there's, there is so much that goes into being a graduate student, the sacrifices that are made, the workload, uh, all of that. And so identifying students who uh, are capable of taking on even more during that process. Um, and then just, again, kind of trying to pour into you guys in a way that is helpful to you. Um, you know, I selfishly, I get a lot out of it too, but I, I want to show you guys kind of here are other opportunities here are other ways you can connect in the profession um and i don't know if either of you have any desire at all to ever go into a doctoral program in the future but it's a great step toward that you know again identifying at times students who are interested in that and um doing what we do behind the scenes kind of really sets the stage for that process when when students want to go that route 
You know, there's a couple of words coming up, Dr. Imhoff, that that you've mentioned, and also Robert have mentioned. And there's a theme kind of weaving in here. I want to I want to get into and and kind of ask you to reflect on that, not only for the sake of students, but also for your colleagues as professors. Um, I'm hearing things like pour into, sacrifice, opportunities, and the image I have here, and I've used this uh, in in something that I had a chance to write with Dr. Krista Kirk, uh, our mentor. Um, just this idea that the effective mentoring of a professor with a student often involves the sacrifice. I mean, you're putting skin into the game. You're doing more than just the minimum of showing up to class, like you said. But it does involve a sacrifice. And Robert and I can, especially like with Dr. Kirk, I mean, she's given a lot to us outside of the bare minimum expectations of whatever it is you all are expected to do as professors or as faculty advisors often I would imagine to her point of sacrificing. And yet it's that sacrificial, I'm gonna say sacrificial love, uh, that has borne so much fruit for Robert and I in the development of our professional identity, which in the early days probably would have taken a lot of patience, you know, like with a toddler, for example, you know, going through the developmental stages, I remember realizing that I, my emails were way too long. <laughs> And like how many students do the same thing, you know, and then you learn to as you grow. So I wonder, Dr. Imhoff, if you can speak to that, like the tension, if you will, between wanting to give because, you know, it'll be effective, but also like finding the balance. Between your personal life, your work life, you know, you have your own family, you can't treat your students like children that you're also pouring your life into. But I mean, how does that work? Yeah. Um you know, the work-life balance as a whole, we could do a, we could do a 20 or 40 minute episode on that too. Um, but I think, I think it's something that's neat about the counseling profession. You know, when you think about like the KCREP standards and things like that, um, there is somewhat of an expectation that we, there is, obviously there's an expectation that we pour into our students, right? That, I mean, we are gatekeepers, we are preparing, we are training, students to become professional counselors. Um, and so it's helpful that that expectation is also kind of built into my job description, if you will. I think where, you know, and, and so sacrifices naturally come with that, but again, it's part of the role. I think where sounds like Dr. Kirk as well moves beyond that is, um, inviting students into that process, if that makes sense. And so I could present, publish, and do all of that kind of stuff on my own. That is the job expectation. Um, but even here at Liberty, I think, I think our administration sets a good example for find ways to get your students involved, right? And in being an online education, you guys have experienced that it. it's different than sitting in the classroom in a small program with the same four or five professors throughout the program, you're building relationships. A massive online program is different than that. And so I think we, uh, we take on a role of how do I help this, at least, you know, for a select number of students, especially feel smaller. You know, and I think that, I think, I think, and you guys can speak to this, that we have done that where we, we have connected in a way where it doesn't feel like a program with 5,000 students and, you know, you might run into a professor once. Um, 
we have really made it feel more i don't know intimate than that and and um i think i don't know if that answers your question um but i see it as a job expectation and then i see it as how can i in the same way professors poured into me pour into my students beyond just that expectation yeah and dr amoff i can say that that has been felt um that pouring into myself and jeff and and what we've received from your uh special attention really um and it's humbling it's humbling for me to to realize that there's there's individuals that are that are willing to invest you know it's really what it comes down to is invest and and, and it's it's a it's a two-way street i mean obviously me and jeff have to take those steps to pursue that but it's really you guys being willing to um invite us in and invest that time with us um and that's very humbling and something that that certainly i did not expect coming into liberty i thought it'd be a very much a procedural process uh do your classes get your work done move on with your diploma check 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 and here we go i i never envisioned this right this type of relational piece but i can tell you because of this it has made it a a an amazing experience that i would have never expected so uh, a personal thank you because you're one of the individuals that has has taken and, and invested a, a lot of time because i know what is taken to prepare for presentations and to do the podcast so so on behalf of i think myself and jeff i i speak for both of us when we say thank you it is appreciated and recognized um and one of the unique pieces that i think is is been really cool is to see how the three of us with different personalities, different talents, different abilities have been able to um, work together to create a very, very, I think, effective presentation. And, and I laugh and, I, and, and our listeners don't see it, but Jeff is laughing, too, because um, our listeners may not know this, but I'm guessing they probably do. I am more of an analytical person. Um, and Jeff, what would you call yourself? More of a... Um, a ahead, the, theological philosopher, philosopher. That's that's the scholastic word I would use. Yeah. Intuitive. <laughs> so, um, when we were doing the presentation, I, I liked charts and graphs, and and I think Jeff, oh, you had gosh. probably a heart attack by slide two trying to interpretate that data. Correct. That stuff made me nauseous, man. Yeah, I, I know. I know it did. And so, um, but it was unique because it all worked. And, and Jeff and I have different personalities. And I think what, that's also what makes this work. But you were really, I think, the glue that held everything together and um, the stability. And, 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 and also, your name was on those presentations. You put a lot of trust into us to be able to do that. I mean, you put your reputation on, on online for us and with us, which I thought was um, very brave and commendable for you to do that. Um, and, and so I think it's unique. And maybe you can talk about if that was something intentionally you look at when you're looking at maybe students to mentor that kind of ability to kind of fit into different personalities or, or molds uh, if you see that or if that was just something that maybe just happened in our case from from chance yeah that's a great point um and just as a side note back to your charts like i think about one of the things you talk about how much you guys have benefited from this process and, and i mentioned that i have as well you develop that first part of our presentation with those charts and putting 
putting information into a graphic in a way that becomes much more understandable, you know, and I, I have thought about that in ways, you know, when I present other topics in the future, how can I make my presentations not necessarily just filled with charts, but there are definitely more creative ways than putting words on a slide. And I think you have really, you know, Jeff can laugh at that, but I'm telling you, you hear this, an audience, Jeff? Do you, do an you audience, <laughs> an audience sees true. that bar graph and then, you know, sees the data presented in that way. It's different than just here are some words on a slide. Let me tell you about them. Uh, so I do appreciate that. Um, back to kind of what you're leading into there, though. I remember prior to working in an online position, um, you know, doing the traditional lecturing for a couple hours in front of a class and again, getting to know students um, probably more intimately in the classroom setting than is afforded through the online education. But you could, as a faculty member, start to recognize certain student interests and kind of see how those aligned with things I was already studying. And so I had a couple of students who expressed in class being really interested in grief work. And this was during my doctoral program. And I'm thinking, okay, my dissertation is focused around that. How might I be able to kind of bring them alongside to, to do some things uh, related to grief work? And then when I got my first faculty position, a student who um, expressed some interest in social anxiety disorder. And I was like, I have plenty of experience with that. And it's kind of becoming a budding scholarly interest of mine too. So how can I bring you into this fold a little bit? Um, and in doing that, I am intentionally seeking students, again, that I know are able to, A, put the time into it, and B, do a good job with it, right? Because you're right, there is some risk associated with it when we present in front of a dozen professionals, hundreds of professionals, whatever it might be at a conference, we want to we want to ensure it's going to go well. Um, and so I think there is part of that process where I'm keeping an eye out for students who are succeeding at a very high level. Um, and then when when we did that last podcast episode, it was I knew Jeff from class. He was a very good student. I didn't know you, Robert, really at all um, prior to that podcast and just the sheer fact that you guys were doing this other faculty members had vouched for you like i knew these are two guys who have gone above and beyond and then it hit me after we did the present or the podcast i just heard the words of one of my own professors dr uh, claudia sadler gerhardt back in ashland ohio i remember her saying you know don't ever write a paper don't ever do a presentation without seeing where else it could go. Like, don't just do it once and be done. If you do a presentation, see how you might turn it into a paper. And you and you guys and I might have to talk about that. But if you do a presentation, see where else you could present it and that sort of thing. And I'm, I, that hit me after I listened to our episode. I thought, well, this is a this is a conference presentation almost pre-made. You know, we we just. We only talked for 20 minutes. You got to go 60 in the, you know, presentation, but, but it's there. There's, there's something here that we could carry on. And that's when I think I reached out to you both and said, Hey, based on what we talked about, any interest in doing this? Um, and I knew again that you guys were going to do a great job with it. And I think that has absolutely come to fruition. 
Yeah, Dr. Amoff, just a question from a student perspective. I, I don't think that, that Jeff and I are, are anything, you know, doing anything that anybody else couldn't do, basically. It was just, we're, we're lucky. I think we're blessed that we were given this opportunity. Um, like I said, I, I, it's not something I would have expected, but we had to take steps. You know, there was parts of us that had to accept it and we have to, to manage it and do those things, take responsibility for it. But for a student out there that has an interest and, and wants to become more involved and wants to get that mentoring, like, what is your recommendation? Do they find a, a a uh, professor that has a common interest or that has done research in something, or they just find that compatibility or both. I mean, what would you recommend to a student listening to this that wants to, to get more involved, that wants to get those experiences, that want to have those opportunities and, and maybe do a little bit more? What would you tell them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, again, back to if doctoral School, you know, if, if there's any interest in a PhD, it happens on a much deeper level as a doctoral student, typically, than as a master's student. But even as a master's student, I think um, it is about trying to find points of connection, common areas of interest, that sort of thing. Um, you could, as a student, read through our faculty bios and just kind of see who's interested in, who's studying something that really piques my interest. And a lot hey, of times, just just real quick, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. We call that for Jeff stalking, um, just so you know that <laughs> oh, when gosh. he looks for guests at, when looking at the bio. So just, sure. just just so you know, for our own internal reference, that that's what we we call that. Right. Understandable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and it, it it's on the website for a reason, right? Do your thing, Jeff. Um, Thanks, but, Doc. <laughs> yeah, but I think even you know maybe there's a particular class where there was a, a deeper connection with a professor in a way that you thought, man, I really enjoy Like if you have in your mind, I wish I could have that professor again, that might be someone you reach out to and say, I really enjoyed this class. I'm interested in getting beyond the classroom, whether, you know, whatever that looks like research presentations, you know, whatever. Um, do you have any tips for me or are you looking to work with any students? Like that's, that's absolutely fine to, ask professors about and sometimes maybe their interests don't align but they know another faculty member who they could connect with that student um you know that's that's a route to take another thing to do i think back to my master program and our state counseling conference was coming up probably it would have been three months after i started the master's program so i'm in my first classes and uh one of our professors dr david mann he said, I'll be presenting at this conference. I really encourage students to attend. And we're all kind of like you described, Robert, thinking we're just like as students, we just go to class, we take the test, we write our papers, we move toward graduation and we ultimately graduate. And all of a sudden he's talking about this conference and what it means and why it's important. Um, and the, what he said to me that stuck the most was you could volunteer as a student, get it paid for and then just attend the rest of the conference. And it, it seemed like it kind of took some pressure off. Like I'm not expected to try and present at this thing as a new student or anything like that. Just go and give my time for an hour or two. They'll pay for my conference registration because of my volunteer work. And then I can attend the rest of the conference to just observe essentially. And I think that was so important to me to 
not think I just had to dive into the deep end for things I wasn't prepared for, um, but could just go to these conferences, observe, take it all in, see what it's like, see who I might connect with based on what they were presenting, that kind of thing. At most presentations at conferences, the last slide is, here's my information if you have any questions. If I see a topic and I sit on a, a presentation that I absolutely love, I might be connecting with faculty members from a different school in my state, you know, just over a topic. So I think just kind of getting your feet wet in that way. The virtual arena right now that, you know, COVID wreaked havoc in so many ways. One of the things we had to do was adapt and do so many things virtually. Well, that's less expensive for people. I'm not having to fly to Nevada or fly to Louisiana for a conference, I can attend it on my computer and all of a sudden as a graduate student, things become much more accessible to me because I don't have to spend $1,500 to register, fly to and stay at a conference. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, connecting with professors that you find meaningful and helpful in the classroom, connecting with professional opportunities and just observing and seeing what, you know, might develop in that way and then not being afraid to reach out i think that's a big step is um you know there might be a level of intimidation there i don't want to bother my professors i don't want to you know and my thought is no that's that's our job is to connect with students and if if they have a special interest in something reach out and see if they can connect or find another faculty member to connect with Dr. Imhoff, I think you nailed it, especially that last piece. Um, there's like a vulnerability exchange, I noticed, because like you said before, students could just go through the program, just have a strictly utilitarian approach to it. I'm going to show up to class, I'm going to do my discussion boards, I'm going to do my papers, get my grades, graduate, get my residency, start seeing clients. And it's like, well, yeah, but there's far more involved in the formation of becoming a counselor than just reading and writing and taking tests. Like there's a whole other part of the brain, part of the heart that seemingly needs to be engaged in forming into the professional identity. And I imagine that when you sit down with a client, you bring the full weight of the impact of those experiences with you into the session so that you're not just rattling off things that you read in 546 psychopathology, which isn't going to really help you help people, you know, like it, it helps you read the DSM, but doesn't help you help people like there's so much more to it. And so it seems like there's this vulnerability piece of the exchange, the personal encounter with a mentor, with a professional, with a Jedi master to use a Star Wars reference, like <laughs> to form the relationship, to form the identity, to kind of become one of us. Um, and, I, and I see that in you and, and so many other professors that have given more and more of their time. And so I wonder, just as we begin to wrap up, Dr. Imhoff, can you reflect with us a little bit more of others that have helped with your own mentoring journey in that way that have given you more than just the knowledge? Yeah, yeah. And I, as you describe that, I think about the phrase, you know, the person of the counselor um, and how every interaction we have as a student, as a faculty member, you know, we are learning from it's shaping us. We're growing, um, you know, and kind of the person of the professional, like what does it mean to be a professional? And, and that's part of as a professional counselor, pouring that into my students is, you know, how do we evolve into 
an effective counselor, not just knowing all of the diagnostic criteria for something or all, you know, all of that, but really who are we in those counseling sessions? And I think about, you know, I've mentioned a couple of my mentors already, but um, back at Ohio University for my doctoral program, Dr. Tom Davis, Dr. Christine Bott, um, she was especially, like, she, I, I would credit her probably more than any other person with my professional formation. I remember her kind of much like I did for you guys. Hey, here's an ad- idea I have for some presentations. I think it could help your professional development. Um, do you want to come alongside and, and work on this? And I remember thinking at the time, like, okay, I know I'm supposed to do this as a doctoral student. Like, this is scary. Like, what does this even look like? Um, and she, you know, as I look back on it, did such a kind of scaffolding approach with me to where it was speaking as her, I'm going to do the bulk of the work. Here's a 10 minute segment that I think you could fill in really well. And let's move forward with that. And so we did that and we talked, you know, debriefed the whole process afterwards and all of that. And then for the next presentation, it was kind of like, well, here's here's a 15 minute segment, you know, and, and just kind of built up my confidence, my, you know, kind of self-efficacy, this belief that I, I actually can do this. Um, and, and it was, I don't know that I was so aware of it at the time of how she was kind of just, again, scaffolding this process for me. But looking back, I think on the very, one of the final presentations I did as a doctoral student, it was a colleague and I who are students together and then her, and she said, I'll, I'll put my name on the presentation because it has a better chance of getting accepted based on my credentials. But you guys are going to do the bulk of this. And we got there to the presentation. It got accepted. She sat down in the front row and said, all right, guys, I'm going to watch. And, it, you know, it's, and we did it and we did well and we got good feedback. And so it, it was this journey from, I know you've never done this. Let me show you what it's like. Take this really small part. And then I'm going to just pour into you throughout the process, giving you a little bit more along the way until you can do this on your own. Um, And, you know, Jeff, you talked about parenting toddlers at the beginning, you know, and I think about the way that is that we, you know, learn as they learn how to walk and things like all these different things where it's like, let me help you out along the way. And then I'm going to watch you do it on your own. And, And I had incredible professors that just did that for me, um, took this super introverted, shy, anxious person and said, I can help you become a teacher, a presenter um, in ways that had I, <laughs> I never would have believed it initially. You know, when I look back on my professional journey and where I'm at now, my natural j- dispositions and the, you know, they don't lend to doing what I'm doing now. And I, I credit my professors. I credit God in that. Like, let me see your strength and my weakness. Cause I am not a public speaker. I am not someone who wants to be in front of a crowd and I'm doing it, you know, I'm doing it as a professional and, and it has been absolutely a process and a journey um, that others have taken my hand along the way and said, I can, I can help you do this. I can show you how this is done. And, and I'm guessing how meaningful that was to me, you know, 
comes out in what I'm sharing. And that is why I pour back into students like you guys who it's like, man, I, I need to pay it forward because I would not be where I am if it weren't for people taking the time to invest in me, devote their time uh, and show me the ropes. My heart is like just expanding listening to you share <laughs> that. Dr. Moff, it's so good. It's so, and, there, and there's two things, if I could just reflect there that I've been thinking about for a long time and especially today that I'm hearing. First is the story that you told about the professor kind of calling you and saying, hey, you have this gift. Why don't you fill this need? That just speaks so strongly to me of, I mean, so in scripture, the word encouragement is the Greek word parakaleo, which is the Greek word for the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor. Right. So the charism of encouragement is the charism of counselor, right? You see something in someone and you build them up. You speak to advocate, speak to Latin, right? You, you speak into them the good that you see and you provide for them the empowerment to do something with it. And that, that has been my experience with you and with our professors here. And I'm sure Robert would say the same. And it just, it's beautiful because it flows from the charism of a counselor. Like it's this God given gift that's meant to serve others, right? That's, that's a charism, right? The second piece is, and I, I feel this really strongly and, and I'm going to borrow from some, from a, a symbol of Christ. Uh, there's a, there's a ancient symbol of Christ as the pelican. Um, and the pelican, it's a, a symbol of the mother pelican who's piercing uh, her breast so that blood can flow to feed her children. Now, that's a very specific Christ image. Um, but the idea is that um, Christ gives us life by his very gift of self. Um, and, and we become one flesh with him by receiving that blood right? We're saved by the blood. We're, we're made new by the blood. We're reformed by this blood, right? And so I know this is getting kind of crazy, but the, the idea here is like, I've experienced this from you and from other professors, because you're not just showing up and doing a job, like you're giving of yourself so that we might become like you. Not like, oh, look at Dr. Emhoff. He's the perfect counselor. No, but to become like you who have imbibed and inculcated this identity, which is not only to be an excellent counselor, an ethical counselor, but to be a Christ-centered counselor who can bring people the healing that only God can give. That's been my experience, that the most effective moments of my formation at Liberty have been when professors have given of their very selves to make me into them, the best versions of themselves, their own gifts. Um, and I, I think for speaking for Robert too, like we could have just sailed through this program and gotten through it and been whatever kind of counselors, but because of the experiences that we've had, thanks to you and your sacrifice and your time, it's made us a part of this community. It's made us a part of this profession in, in a way that would never have happened if it wasn't for professors having the courage, the generosity, and the vulnerability to give. Yeah. I, I think, you know, hearing that feedback too is, is motivation for continuing in that process for me, you know, understanding that 
My efforts to take things beyond the classroom are appreciated and life-giving and ultimately are going to help, you know, dozens, hundreds, thousands of clients down the road that, uh, that will benefit from that kind of me pouring into my students who will then pour into them. Um, and it's just encouragement to, to continue that effort, you know, that, that process. And I think, you know, quick story, I, you talked about, you know, a professor seeing in a student, you can do this, you know, from the story I shared. And I remember prior to entering my doctoral program, I was working on a produce farm to just raise some money to pay for graduate school. And Dr. Bott called me after I had been accepted into the doctoral program and said, we have a counseling position working with medication assisted addiction treatment. Um, it'd be a GA position, graduate assistant position. If you want to do that, I think it'd be a great fit. It's yours. And she can hear my hesitation on the phone. I'm, I'm standing out in the middle of a field, you know, turn off the tractor. I'm driving to talk to her about this. And I'm just like, well, I don't have a lot of experience in addiction. Like I've had one course, haven't struggled with substance use personally. I don't know if this is the right fit, you know, and, and I'm giving her all the reasons you want to choose somebody else. And she says, well, it looks from your, uh, your resume here that you did group counseling as your internship. Is that right? And I said, yeah. And she said, this is group counseling. The skills will be transferable. Having met you, I know you can do this. And essentially, I'll be alongside you as you navigate this. And I reluctantly accepted and, you know, for two years during my doctoral program, did addiction counseling, presented on the topic. And it was just like you described that I didn't see myself being able to do that. But somebody else said, I don't even know you that well, but I see something here and I can help that. I can help develop that. Um, and I think that really summarized kind of from the outset what my journey working with incredible faculty looked like and like i said now it's my time to give back yeah and you have modeled that so so well to to jeff and i and, and i thank you for that um and there's there's just i would encourage students to 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 go out and seek those professors and 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 that networking that that's key I mean, I, I came from a, a completely different world where you had to be networked. I mean, that was survival to be networked. And and, and this, this is certainly different um, in terms of the networking, but it's still key. I mean, we think about colleagues, we need that networking to know referrals or, or supervision or whatever it may be. So that networking, I would encourage students, you know, even if your aspirations aren't to start a podcast or to go present in a conference, I, I mean, that certainly wasn't mine when I started this by any means, but, but for your own personal development, for your own development and, and future career, I would encourage students to, to make those connections if you aren't already, because it's going to, it's going to pay in your development in the future. And, and again, I, what my experience is, no faculty in Liberty, and I'm guessing probably in the majority of this profession, doesn't want to be that resource and provide help. I think it's part of the profession. I think it's a culture of the profession, I think, which makes this profession really unique compared to others, is there is that desire to kind of pay forward. And I think that's a great way to put it. And, 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 and we're blessed and thankful 
Dr. Imhoff, that we are the recipients of you, <laughs> you're paying it forward. Um, and hopefully we can do that justice, Jeff and I moving forward with who knows what individuals, you know, we encounter, um, because I know it's something that's certainly passionate and, and, and that I am passionate about in my heart. So thank you again. Um, and we, we went like 50 minutes, so you got bonus time now, <laughs> yeah. um, wow. beyond between the Making two. Up so, right. Right. Real quick, if I could, as you were sharing there, I would encourage students also to persevere in that process. I have reached out to students who I thought, you know, I, I think we could work well together. And they essentially said, I just don't have the time to take that on. And I understand that. And similarly, a student might reach out to a professor and, you know what, I, I'm working with six other students right now. I don't know that I could take one on. I could see that happening. And so I encourage students as they hear your message there to reach out, persevere in that too, you know, and look for multiple avenues. But uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. I I said at the beginning, I tease you about the 20-minute podcast when everybody else is going 40 and all of that, but uh, I'm happy to spend some more time with you guys here. It's a real gift. It's a real gift. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and I do encourage our, our um, listeners to go back. Episode six, even though it is 20 minutes, it is it is an amazing episode. And, and we certainly were starting to to just get our feet wet and know what to do. I, I, I haven't listened to it in a while, but I'm sure that the quality wasn't that fantastic. So at least we got you back on when we kind of knew what we were doing because we were still very much in that infant stage that uh, we didn't, we weren't even walking or crawling at that point. I don't think. <laughs> I remember too, though, we, we talked about, I don't know that you guys even intended to go into 40, 50 minute episodes. Cause we had talked about, you know, 20, 25 minutes. That's a quick listen. People can do that takes a bit more effort to set aside an hour so yeah indeed indeed well Je jeff on behalf of uh all of us i i think it's it's without um without any question that we do owe a lot to dr imhoff and his investment in yes. us as well as other other faculties and as we you've already got to the point but as i get to the point of finishing with classes it certainly becomes a point of reflection and a reality for me that there has been a lot of individuals that have helped me along this journey and jeff i know you feel the same way so thank you dr imhoff for that and all our other faculty uh, that we've had on certainly thank you and and to our listeners i hope you find this as uh, a helpful part of your education um, in your journey and those that that aren't in the educational world i hope you also find it enjoyable and helpful for whatever you're you're listening for so uh, on behalf of all of us dr amoff thank you again so much jeff thank you for being there and thank you for listening god bless and have a great day <laughs>